Hello, and welcome to the Romance Me Podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. And we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. A word of caution. Mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. So don't eat it. Today we'll be discussing There's Something About Mary by Cody Hall. When her life implodes after yet another terrible ex, Mary Winters moves back home to Mistletoe, Idaho to be where she feels rooted. Single dad, Clark Griffin, is now working on the Christmas tree farm owned by Mary's parents. When the position on the farm Mary wants is given to Clark, attention develops, causing isolationist Clark to actively avoid the boss's daughter. Longing for an adult connection, Clark signs up on an online dating site where he meets Naughty Girl with a K. As he juggles his feelings for Mary and Naughty Girl, Clark wonders if there just isn't something about Mary. There will be spoilers beyond this point, and we have a content warning for animal abuse, but they're still okay, don't worry, <laughs> and characters with history of childhood abuse. And they're okay too, sort of. Don't worry. We're optimistic? That did not sound very <laughs> optimistic. We're confident. <laughs> I wanted to tell everyone that the animals are okay, because some people, that's a really hard limit, you know? Yeah, no, I appreciate. It's okay to read a story about someone, like a person getting attacked and injured, but once you make it be a dog or something, then all of a sudden people are like, no, I couldn't possibly. Yeah, no, I'm totally that person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Erica, what's the history between... Mary and Clark, because they have a bit of history before they see each other once again in Mistletoe. Right. So Mistletoe, Idaho, the story's setting, is the childhood home of both Mary and Clark. Mary grew up on her parents' Christmas tree farm and had pretty much a magical childhood full of love and wonderment and wonderful siblings. And Clark grew up with two people who really shouldn't have had children and his older brother, Sam. Clark's parents, we don't really know a lot about them aside from they only care about appearances. Yes. And only trot their children out if it's to make a good impression on someone else. They do not celebrate holidays. They do not give gifts. They do not show love. (laughs) I really don't know why they had children. Social expectation? Probably, right? I mean, that's what it seems like. Because it's like, (laughs) oh, this is what we're supposed to do. And look, this is where we're supposed to bring them. As a result of his home life, Clark is a very internal, guarded person. Really, the only person he is close to growing up is his older brother, Sam, who moved away the second he was old enough. Clark just doesn't trust anybody. He doesn't trust anybody's motivations. He doesn't trust anybody's personality, like what they're showing, because he knows people hide things. And the reason he thinks this or knows this is because his parents have a social persona where they're projecting a certain image that they want people to accept or see. And then they have who they really are, where they're neglectful assholes. Yeah. In high school, Clark and Mary were at the same school. Clark, I think, is two years older. So he's the same age as Mary's older brother, Nick. He got a job working at the Christmas tree farm 
When he was working there, Mary developed a bit of a crush on him, even though he was closed off and awkward and she probably thought he was shy. Probably. I don't know if he's shy. It's more like he's afraid of being open with anyone. Hmm. Yeah. I think. He doesn't want to expose his soft underbelly. It is tender, that underbelly. And Mary tried to get him to notice her, and she did, like, all the girl things. The things usually women or girls will do to let a guy know they're interested without actually just telling a guy they're interested. Yes. You know, those things. Social game. Not not to gender it, really, but it is a stereotype. It is, and I mean, it's socially supported, because lots of the rules were like, well... Young women can't actually say it. They literally can't. It's socially unacceptable. Yes. How dare you be interested in that stuff? Yes. But Clark never really reciprocated. And Mary has always kind of thought he didn't like her, which is weird for Mary because everyone fucking loves Mary. (laughs) Clark, however, had also developed a crush on Mary during this time, but he didn't know because she was a popular girl and he was worried about social ramifications. Maybe she's hiding some evil personality beneath her bubbly exterior persona. Yeah, I mean, his parents wanted social approval and here's someone who has social approval. So he's leery. He's projecting. Mm -hmm. But he decides he's going to take a chance and he's going to ask her out. But that evening he sees her get into another boy's truck and drive off and he's just like oh so she is just like what i thought anyways yes expectations confirmed she goes for the popular jock type guys i never stood a chance anyway and that's kind of where they left it when mary graduated she ended up moving away for a while and she had a series of terrible relationships she's never really dated a nice guy except for one ryan who turned out to be gay she's still friends with ryan but everyone else no they are (laughs) all bad clark also moved away broke contact with his parents but maintains a relationship with his older brother he ended up meeting patrice in college they were together for a while i think clark was more in lust with her than in love but when she got pregnant he was like oh good i can have my own family now the way i want it to be Mm -hmm. but patrice when she found out she was having a boy instead of a girl was like i can't do this and after she had the baby noped out like the day after yeah Since then, Clark has raised his son, Jace, as a single father. I think Jace is seven at this point. And he's even gone so far as to make sure Patrice has given up her legal parental rights to Jace so he can protect Jace from her evil machinations or whatever. I don't know. Abandoning your kid is fucked up, but I think Clark is also projecting here. He isn't looking below the surface as to what Patrice may be dealing with or may not be dealing with. No. However, 
he does want to really protect his son. And that's where that comes from is his love and protective feelings for his kid. And I don't blame him, really. No. It makes sense, especially for his character. Yeah. Okay. So now we're in the present day. Mary has moved back to town to connect with herself. She's never really been single and happy. She's a serial monogamist. And she's finally come to the realization at 25 that, you know what, I need to know who I am and be okay with who I am so I can break this bad streak of horrible relationships and find someone who will treat me well and will make me happy. Mm -hmm. She has a job working at the front office of the local elementary school. She also works on her family's farm and she also does crafting. I'm not sure if she's knitting or crocheting, but she makes crafts for... I thought it was knitting. Is it knitting? Okay. I don't remember. I I couldn't figure it out. I wasn't clear either. I just kind of assumed because I don't think it's ever really specified. No, it's really not. And there's a point where later in the story where it mentions that she's making things out of yarn, but... Up to that point, it doesn't even mention that. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know what the fuck she's doing. She's doing some (laughs) kind of crafty shit. And she's selling it at her younger sister's crafty store. She's built a small house on her parents' property. And then Clark has been hired as the foreman for her parents' Christmas tree farm. And he lives in the foreman's house on her parents' property as well. So they're neighbors. Really close neighbors. Want to borrow a cup of sugar? Here you go. Just lean over. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The story begins on November 1st. Everyone is working on decorating the Christmas tree farm for the farm's 75th anniversary. And Clark is thinking about how a while ago he overheard Mary and her sister Holly talking about him, about how Mary was upset she wasn't made the foreman and Clark was. So at that point, he decided he was going to keep his distance from her. He still has this impression of her from high school, I guess. Yeah. Plus, he heard this gossip between Mary and her sister, and he's made a lot of assumptions and is like, you know what? I'm just going to stay away from her. She must have flaws. And even though literally every single other person in town fucking loves her, there's got to be something wrong with her. However, his son Jace really likes Mary and is always looking for excuses to hang out with her. And that kind of causes a bit of tension, I think, because Clark wants Jace to have relationships with people, positive relationships with other adults. However, Clark doesn't trust anybody. So he's really struggling with that whole letting go and letting his son have attachments with other people, I think. He's protective. Yes. Mary's parents, Chris and Victoria, have basically adopted Clark and Jace, although Clark doesn't really accept this, but Jace has full on jumped into this relationship with Mary's parents. They are essentially his adoptive grandparents at this point. Yeah. And Victoria watches him after school, babysits him while Clark's working, and has formed this wonderful, loving relationship with Jace. Jace is the type of kid who is looking for those attachments. Yeah. He has an amazing relationship with his dad. He really has a good relationship with his uncle, Sam, although he doesn't get to see him all the time. 
And so he has no reason to mistrust other adults. He, he is what Clark could have been. So Jace is hanging out with Mary, but then Clark gets him and they go inside with Victoria. I think Victoria gives Jace cookies. There's a lot of cookies in this book. <laughs> I know. Maybe you want cookies. I know. I'm like, I need to make Christmas cookies too. <laughs> Victoria is telling Clark about how she volunteered Mary to help with the Festival of Trees this year because she's too busy. Typically, this event is run by another lady in town, but that lady had stuff come up and she absolutely couldn't do it and tried to give it to Victoria. And Victoria's like, no, Mary would be perfect for this. Mary does a lot of volunteer work and really excels at it. Then Victoria invites Clark and Jace to Thanksgiving dinner later that month, which if you're not American is our November holiday where we eat way too much food. Mm-hmm. And we're thankful for it, I guess. And we give thanks. <laughs> yes. That's really what it is anymore. We've all tried to stay away from the massive genocide that <laughs> the white people perpetrated on the natives. Not to bring the mood down or anything. It's a little hard to fit that on a card. Makes it, makes it <laughs> awkward for social gatherings. Oh gosh. All right. Later, Clark is back at home and he's thinking about the past again. I think he dwells a lot. He's kind of ruled by his past, and I don't think he's ever really dealt with the trauma he had growing up. That's just me judging him. <laughs> well, no, I mean, sometimes it just takes time. You're not in a place to deal. I think he's just so cynical that he feels that he's seen the truth that other people don't see. Mm. And he's not willing to think about the fact that he actually experienced childhood trauma. Yeah. There's not a lot of textual evidence for that, but that was my impression. Clark works really, really hard to be a good dad because his parents suck and Patrice abandoned them. <laughs> yeah. He tries to do the, the making up. I will make up for everything. And he doesn't really want anyone to get in the way of his relationship with his kid. He hasn't really dated at all. He doesn't really trust other people anyway, and he always expects things to go wrong. He's very pessimistic. Yes. Jace tells his dad about how the girls at school chase him and he hates it. And they talk about that a bit. Clark gives him advice. And then the talk transitions into Jace saying that he thinks Clark should date. He has noticed that his dad is sad sometimes. Not only that, he would like to have more people around than just him and his dad. And there's hints at this point that Jace misses that mom figure. Clark hasn't really told Jace anything about his mom. It's like she's just absent. There's not even pictures. I mean, she wasn't there. He didn't have any printed pictures and he deleted all the digital pictures. So he doesn't even have a photo for Jace. Yeah, I think the impression, well, at least the impression that I got was that he's trying to spare his child pain. I agree. There's a point in the story where he thinks about if Jace decides when he's older that he wants to find his mom, Clark would help him even though he hates the idea. Yeah, I think that's much later in the story where he's reconciled with certain things. Yeah, there is that, but I think it's pretty fucked up for him to not even keep one picture of the mom for possible future conversations when Jace is older. I don't think it's ever stated, but maybe <laughs> he does have the picture somewhere. He says he deleted them. Oh, well, that's one of those things like hindsight, maybe. It's like he tried to delete Patrice. Yeah? Completely. <laughs> 
his feelings were hurt. He was trying to spare his kid, but he doesn't appreciate the fact that the kid, not unlike himself, wants the village. Right. He wants specific members of that village for specific reasons, right? The grandparents to be the grandparent figures, a mother figure, but yeah, like father, like son. This conversation with Jace makes Clark think more about what he might possibly want. And he still feels kind of weird about dating or being in a relationship. He's never really been in love. He doesn't know if he's capable of romantic love. But he does miss adult companionship. And he wouldn't mind having sex with someone. Or cuddling. Or having some sort of adult intimacy. And he signs up for online dating. He is matched with Naughty Girl 25. Naughty spelt with a K because she does stuff with yarn. <laughs> and that was the only hint that she did stuff with yarn until <laughs> the last quarter of the book where it's mentioned that she uses yarn for her crafting. Yeah. He likes her profile because she talks about how she wants someone who loves Christmas and Clark makes a big deal for Christmas due to his lack of Christmas growing up. He decides to message her. And the next day, Mary sees a message in her spam email folder from Woodsman27, a.k.a. Clark. She doesn't know it's Clark, of course. Clark doesn't know Naughty Girl is Mary. Mary had signed up to that dating app almost a year ago and then deleted it because she's trying to find herself and be single. But she got this email notification in her spam folder and she decides, okay, so she logs in and she responds to Woodsman because she liked what he had to say. He didn't talk about her body or make it sexual. He just talked about her profile and asked her a question. How refreshing. <laughs> Mary then has a meeting with Dana, who's the woman who usually runs the Festival of Trees. It's a charity event. It's not super well explained, but basically shop owners will buy a tree and then pay to decorate it and then they auction them or sell them or something. And then they also give money to participate, something like that. I, I don't know. Do you have a better explanation of it than that, Em? Not really. And then there's like a big event, a huge event where they have all the trees and it's kind of like a holiday bazaar festival type event where this takes place yes dana is super happy mary has agreed to run it she has this giant binder <laughs> it sounds super complicated mary is like okay that's great and she decides you know what i'm gonna try to get every shop owner to donate a tree this time or to buy to buy a tree this time because her family's farm donates the trees i think that are bought for this event. Yes. So it's, you know, publicity. And she goes around to different shops in town and she goes to see her sister at her craft shop. They chit chat before she brings up Festival of Trees and Holly suggests that maybe Mary needs a one night stand or something casual as a palate cleanser after her last cheating boyfriend. Thanks, Holly. Appreciate you. <laughs> Mary basically delegates this task to Holly to get everyone to sign up for the Festival of Trees. 
Yeah, I mean, it sort of makes sense <laughs> given that Holly's shop, but yeah. She tells Holly, yeah, I want everyone to sign up. Here you go. <laughs> and then Holly's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and she's not stressed. Like, no one's stressed. No one cares. This is a very chill story. <laughs> everyone in this story is chill, except Clark and a couple other side characters. And that's it. Everyone else is super chill and relaxed and yay, it's the holidays. We love this. Yeah, which is surprising given the time of year and the business they're in. Now we have a whole chapter of Naughty Girl and Woodsman messaging back and forth, sharing bits of personal info, what they're up to that day, their likes, their dislikes, their feelings about love and relationships. They've developed a connection. They haven't shared pictures or anything. Clark, because he's trying to be protective of his son, and Mary, because, I don't know. About a week has passed now, and Clark has decided he wants to ask Naughty Girl to meet up, but he's worried about coming off as creepy, and he finally messages her that he'd like to talk in person. She agrees, and so he invites her out that evening for a drink, and then shuts the app down and goes to work. And as he's making his rounds on his quad at work, checking out the farm, making sure everything's fine, Mary catches him and says that she's going to need at least 80 trees this year for the Festival of Trees. I think that's 15 trees more or 20 trees more, something like that. And then she asks to go with him on his rounds and he reluctantly agrees. So she climbs on behind him. And this is where we learn that Clark is super physically attracted to Mary he really likes her. She smells like Christmas cookies and has soft, kissable lips. And when she's sitting behind him, he gets a boner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he hates all that. He hates that he likes this stuff. <laughs> He's uncomfortable. Uncomfortableness personified. They chit chat about what they did after high school and he's reluctant to talk to her, but he likes talking to her in spite of himself. She's trying super hard to be friends with him. She really wants to be friends with him. She likes everybody. She wants to be friends with everybody. She gets along with everybody. And she doesn't see the problem with that. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's trying to do that with him and he's always put her off. They talk about Jace. She offers to babysit Jace if needed. She talks about how much her parents really like Jace. Clark starts to feel a little bit more comfortable. And so he decides to open up and reveal that he overheard her talking to her sister like she didn't really want him around. And Mary explains and says, oh, I was just frustrated with my dad. It's not really about you. It's just my dad runs this farm. I thought eventually I would because Nick isn't interested. He doesn't seem to want me to take on any responsibility, and I'm just frustrated. Clark agrees that, well, he'll tell her about his job. He'll take her around, show her what he does and everything. But he's secretly already coming in mentally with the doom and gloom because he loves working there, and he would love to work there forever, but realizes he probably won't be able to because Mary will take over, and then where will he be? Yep. And this is the point in the story where I started to put everything Clark says in Eeyore's voice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I guess I didn't want that anyway. He also admits to her that he's been avoiding her. 
<laughs> he makes it sound like it's due to the conversation he overheard, but I think it's just due to him being him and not yeah. knowing to how to handle her excessive friendliness. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think I'd probably <laughs> avoid people that were excessively friendly. No one else thinks she's excessively friendly, but Clark does. <laughs> yes. And nobody else sees a problem with the, I've, I've got, everyone has to like me. Mary certainly doesn't <laughs> see a problem with it. Yeah, I don't know that she even thinks about it in that way. I think no. she's just like, everyone likes me except this guy. Why doesn't he like me? I'm going to show him that we can be friends. <laughs> yeah. She's just easy to like, I guess. I guess. She asks Clark not to avoid her anymore. And he says he'll try not to... They decide they're going to forge a very tentative friendship. There's a point in the conversation where they talk about dating and their dating history. And she says, quote, my entire dating history includes every flavor of asshole. <laughs> ah, yes. And I was like, Ugh, why is this in this book? Ugh. <laughs> I loved it. I think every kind of asshole would have been much less gross. <laughs> is she tasting these assholes? I guess she is. I felt it was very effective at giving a very strong response. <laughs> it sure did that. It did that for me. I was like, oh, that was effective. Ah. <laughs> yeah, she talks about how she's trying to be single and love herself. Eventually, she wants to get married and have a million kids. She she says something about how, but she'd like to have like a relationship with somebody and have it just be them and then have a million kids. And Clark's like, oh, so no single fathers. And Mary's like, oh, no, I mean, I would date a single dad, I guess. I'm not discounting that necessarily. She is very effusive about it. And she's like, in that hypothetical situation, it wouldn't matter if that child weren't my biological child, I'd love them like my own anyways. And then she brings up, I think, how her parents have basically adopted Noel, mm -hmm. who is another person around her age. And they're basically sisters, although now Nick and Noel are dating. But it's not incestuous, guys. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, she, she just goes on and on about, oh, yeah, single dads are fine. Kids are great. Love everything. And then Clark says, well, a lot of women don't agree with you. And Mary gives him a bunch of compliments saying she's surprised by that. Basically telling him he's a good catch. I don't know why not. You're so wonderful and hot and blah, blah, blah. And Clark is just taken aback by this. She thinks I'm good looking. She <laughs> thinks I'm wonderful. She thinks these things about me. What the hell is going on? Do you not know that women like lumberjacks? I mean, not a woman, but <laughs> do you not realize that that is a thing? There's this thing called lumber sexual. <laughs> and she even goes so far as to reveal she had a crush on him in high school. She is just diarrhea mouth, man. Just... <laughs> Speaking of that. <laughs> then we get in her head and she's critiquing herself during this whole conversation. I'm being such an idiot, obviously, even though I'm super attracted to him and he's hot and everything, he's not into me at all. I'm obviously not his type. Their conversation is interrupted by a phone call. Mary forgot that her friends were coming over for dinner. And so <laughs> she tells them to go on in and wait for her in her house and she'll be there in 30 minutes. 
She checks her messages while her phone's out and sees she has a message from Woodsman asking to meet up that night. She decides maybe it's fine, but I can't do it tonight because my friends are coming over. So she messages back and asks if they could meet tomorrow. Clark drops Mary back at her house and she chats with her friends and they tease her about the hot foreman. She learns that one of her friends broke up with her boyfriend and she's really sad. The boyfriend was a jerk. Mary says she's going to make a voodoo penis so they can punish the boyfriend in effigy. And originally I was going to leave this out. It's not even in my notes whatsoever, but the voodoo penis is a thing, guys. It (laughs) is a consistent theme in this story that is constantly brought up. So I have to mention it here. (laughs) Obligation. As we've been doing this, I've tried to leave side plots out more and more and i thought this voodoo penis just has to be like a joke it's no it's a recurring joke (laughs) and it actually has real world implications later on like i said it's a thing yeah it's a thing the next night clark and jace are having dinner with the winters family after dinner he's gonna go on his date even though he's really excited to meet naughty girl he's now thinking about mary a lot even though he's telling himself no as well. No, no, bad. She is the (laughs) boss's daughter. She is too good for you anyways. Dinner is super wholesome family time. Everyone loves Clark and Jace. Everyone is jokey with each other. Obviously have good relationships with each other. Just sickly sweet family dinner. Mary's being kind of snarky with her mom. And Jace says that she should be nice. Because he wishes he had a mom like Victoria. And you just get like an aww. Aww. Mary has brought an espresso machine over to her parents' house because it didn't fit in her house. Clark goes outside to help her carry it in. He slips and falls on some ice. Mary, who's still got diarrhea mouth. (laughs) Diarrhea mouth. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's from tasting all those assholes, Mary. Oh, jeez. Um... (laughs) mouthwash she makes a joke about corny pickup lines i slipped and fell for you and then she's like no no bad stop it don't flirt (laughs) and tries to get back on track and she apologizes for making him uncomfortable yesterday with her flirtiness essentially that's what she's apologizing for like i'm sorry i made you uncomfortable i know you're not into me clark says oh no you didn't and he reveals he had almost asked her out in high school But then he saw her with another guy and decided not to. She's like, well, that's kind of funny. We both liked each other in high school. Maybe it's destiny that we're in the same place again now. And there's some chemistry, but there's also some tension. And before Clark can say anything, his brother Sam unexpectedly drives up on his motorcycle. (laughs) Hello, brother Sam. Hi, brother. I'm here (laughs) early. Sam was supposed to come visit for Christmas, but this is six weeks early. Clark is like WTF, Sam. (laughs) Clark gets his son and takes Sam back to his place. Shortly thereafter, Mary gets a notification on her app that Woodsman has to cancel that night for a family emergency. So Mary's starting to get inklings now. Not (laughs) consciously yet, but things are starting to fall into place. She's starting to know who Woodsman could possibly be. I mean, it's not a big town. (laughs) It wouldn't be a big area to... No. (laughs) I could see where she'd be like, huh, 
That's a coinky dink. It makes sense that it's probably someone she knows mm-hmm. due to the population of the town. But that would make me less likely, I think, to sign up for online dating anonymously. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> How awkward is that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to randomly run into this person and then find <laughs> out that they're the person I've been messaging all my secrets to and there's someone I actively have issues with or something, you know? <laughs> that could make things awkward. Later, Clark sends another message to Naughty Girl to explain that his brother unexpectedly showed up, but he still wants to try again to meet up. So yeah, Mary's like, hmm, that's interesting. What a dink. <laughs> Clark, meanwhile, is wondering what the heck is going on with his brother. Why is he so early for his visit? Sam says there's nothing wrong, but obviously he's hiding something. Sam starts talking about Mary, saying she's really sexy. And now we get the jealousy. Clark's like, she's unavailable. (laughs) (laughs) Sam's like, oh, who's she dating? And Clark says, no, she's not dating anyone. She's just unavailable (laughs) to you. (laughs) forever (laughs) mary decides to give woodsman another chance she thinks about maybe asking if he's actually clark but she decides not to because they rescheduled for saturday and she's like well we'll just find out then (laughs) later that next day mary is out and about and this puppy runs past her she catches it brianna from the animal hospital is there and they're talking about this dog and then she learns that this dog belongs to this horrible man who doesn't really take good care of any of his animals he has farm animals and stuff like that and he had recently purchased this puppy but intended to buy a male dog and this puppy is female and he has something against female dogs (laughs) i don't know he goes to kick the dog and at that point mary snatches the dog back and she's all well this is my dog now (laughs) she basically steals it from him because Mm -hmm. he's abusing it and the man calls her on it he's like you can't take my dog i paid six hundred dollars for it and mary's like well people around you are filming you abusing this dog so i wonder how much that would cost you Your argument is invalid. Yes, your argument is invalid because you were doing illegal shit too. (laughs) (laughs) Although it comes from a place of must protect another living creature, which I totally get. Yeah. It's like, even if the law is on his side, I don't care because asshole. Right. I mean, that's my brain. Yeah, but her argument is stupid. Yeah. You did something wrong. Well, you did a worse thing. So my thing is okay. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you. (laughs) I think it was right of her to try to protect the dog. And I I like that she adopted the dog and everything. She'd been wanting a dog even. So this is highly convenient for her. Yes. What a dink. But yeah, I, I could just see that coming back on her badly in a different story. Yeah. We learn that this dog is a great Pyrenees puppy. So it's going to be like 100 pounds or whatever. A big floof. A very big floof. When Mary gets home with her new dog, Jace sees it. He's super excited about the puppy. He's really been wanting a dog. And Clark has told him not yet. 
Clark and Sam follow Jace outside. They also check out the dog. Sam also checks out Mary and is flirty with her. And Clark is jealous, even though Mary doesn't really act interested in Sam at all. She rebuffs him in a jokey sort of way. Sam then leaves for work. He very quickly got a job at the tattoo shop in town. And Mary invites Jace and Clark over for dinner at her house. Clark helps her carry her shopping stuff inside while Jace plays outside with the puppy. They talk some more. Clark tells her about how amazing she is and she spontaneously hugs him. She starts to say that she's been meaning to ask him something and they're close. Maybe there's going to be a kiss, but Jace interrupts and he says, what are you doing? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Clark Goes outside to hang Christmas lights on Mary's house for her while she cooks dinner. And then they all eat dinner together. After Clark and Jace leave for the evening, Mary gets a call from Channel 10 News. They heard about her rescuing this puppy and want to interview her. We also learn that there has probably been some more abuse to this poor dog before she was adopted by Mary. Because she does not want to be in her crate at all. She looks at it like it's the mouth of hell or something. Yeah. And also doesn't want to eat, although that could just be due to the stress of the day. Yeah. Clark, I think, sent a message to Naughty Girl about, oh, I'm looking for our meeting up. Naughty Girl has sent him a message that says she's also excited to meet, but she's kind of feeling nervous because she's also maybe sort of interested in someone else. And she just wants to be honest and let him know up front before they meet. Clark is like, this is weird. Erica is also (laughs) like, this is weird, but okay. I mean, have we not heard about like just dating? We could just date. I don't have to tell you. It's one meetup. It's not even a date, is it? I guess. No, I, I didn't get the impression it was. I don't know. I mean, a million years ago when I was online dating, I didn't feel the need to tell people about other possible dates. They just feel like they, they need to be so honest. Mary needs to be honest. Clark holds everything close to his chest, but he also wants to be honest. And he is starting now to wonder, well, since she was honest with me, maybe I should tell her that I'm kind of sort of maybe interested in someone else too. But he ultimately decides not to. Now we get to the part of the story where we find out what is up with Sam. And it turns out to be basically nothing. Not nothing for Sam, but nothing for the story. Sam had a handshake agreement. He was making payments to buy this guy's business. But then the guy went and sold it to someone else while still taking Sam's payments. So Sam lost a lot of money and opportunity. And that's why he's back early. He needed his family. So Clark is happy that Sam has opened up to him, even though it is A bad reason that Sam is visiting. Clark is also happy that Sam feels like he can come home and it'll be okay. They have the relationship with each other that they wish that maybe they could have had with their parents too. Sam is a bit of a bad boy. I kind of wonder if he's going to have a book at some point. He's a little older than Clark. He's got like full tattoo sleeves. He rides a motorcycle. He's very outwardly flirtatious. I don't know. We'll see. No idea. There's not one yet. Not that I know of. No, I looked it up. Oh, okay. Clark tells Sam about his online date that he's going on that evening. 
Sam wants to know why Clark isn't dating Mary. Clark says, oh, well, she's not interested in me. <laughs> Besides, Mary wants romance, and I don't even know if I'm capable of romantic love. <laughs> wow, he's so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's some stuff in his head, too, that he doesn't share with Sam. Like, there's too much at stake if he dates Mary. What if things go bad and he loses his job and his house and everything? And Jace loses the relationship that he has with Mary's parents. Clark admits this stuff to himself, but what he doesn't admit to himself really is that he's attracted to her and he's also kind of scared about that because he doesn't want to try and fail. So there's a lot at stake for him too, personally. He's just kind of put Mary in the off limits category. Yes. At one point, um, after Sam has arrived, but before date night, Mary's parents' dog gets a hold of the plush penis that Mary is making for her friend, the voodoo <laughs> penis, and is racing around outside with it. Mary's trying to get it from him, and Clark gets the dog to drop it, and then everyone there, Sam and Clark, realize that it's a penis. <laughs> I'm not telling it well. It's very funny. It is. It was freaking hysterical. I was, yeah, I was cackling, <laughs> but I left it out of the notes because I was like, yeah, no, this can't be a thing, right? I was in denial. <laughs> I think you were. I kind of figured it would be a thing. I was happy it was a thing and it wasn't so much a one-off. <laughs> Some authors do that where it's like, oh, there's something really yeah. funny or good or whatever. And it's just like a one-time thing and it's never brought up in the rest of the story. But this author doesn't do that. And I appreciated the planning that went involved with that. Right. <laughs> This isn't wackiness for the sake of wackiness. No. This is a thing. It's wackiness <laughs> with a point, which I like. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's time for the date. Mary has made this whole plan. She's going to get there early with her friend group and her sister and brother and everybody. Safety in numbers. She gives her friend the plush penis slash voodoo penis that she made. And this is where I put it in the notes. Like I put a little parenthetical to state what it was because i was like uh why <laughs> but we learn that she hasn't just made this one no she's been making all sorts of them yeah with different themes like an elf one for her sister i think and a santa one and one of her friends asked for one that has qualities that her boyfriend has like red hair i don't know it was weird Everyone wants their own personalized penis plush now. Yay, industry. And she's even thinking she might start selling them at her sister's shop because she sometimes sells crafts there. <laughs> there. There was not this on the market. <laughs> she is fulfilling a need. <laughs> is it a need? I mean. Depends on the person. The guys in the group are just kind of like, <laughs> I don't understand, but okay. But the women in the group are like, oh, my gosh, it's so cute and funny. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? It's fun. Uh, do you want a plush peen? Hmm. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call it, too. They call it the voodoo peen. Yes. Because <laughs> of course they do. Of course. 
Uh, while she's hanging out with her friend group, she's still keeping an eye out for a guy wearing a blue button down. That was the article of clothing Woodsman said he'd be wearing so that they could recognize each other. And Trip, a guy who Noelle used to date, who is kind of a jerk, comes in and he's wearing a blue button down. And Mary's like, ah, crap. But she decides she's going to go talk to him and say, hey, sorry, but... I'm not interested. She doesn't want to stand him up. He has no clue what the fuck she's talking about. So she goes back to her friend group and she's like, well, it's not him. I am like, how are you not mortified right now? Yeah. I <laughs> I don't know. Going up to the wrong guy and being like, yeah, you know, I'm really sorry, but it's not you. It's me. <laughs> and we had fun talking online but i don't think this is gonna work and then finding out he has no fucking clue what you're talking about because it's not the guy you were talking to i would be fucking mortified yeah that's what alcohol is for but yeah (laughs) why you bring friends (laughs) she's just relieved she's like oh good i'm glad it's not him although she's a better person than i am because i think i may have just stood him up well if that was the case it is more admirable of her to go over there and let him down easy in that. I can understand, too, in a situation where you just look at someone and you're just like, no, like there's something that isn't right. Yeah. And then totally yes. bailing there. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't add up. Exit door. <laughs> just nope. It's totally in Mary's character for her to go oh, talk yeah. to him, though. Yes, because she has to be liked. So she wants to... <laughs> To be very careful of other people's feelings. (laughs) It was super consistent. (laughs) It's good not to be completely insensitive, but... You know, it's funny that you picked up on the people-pleasing thing, too. Because I don't try to please anybody. (laughs) But it's not addressed in the story. Yeah. Like, this is just normal. Does that make us not normal? Female characters are supposed (laughs) to be people-pleasers, so it's not something that I think is really ever consistently addressed anywhere. It's a given. I guess, but it just seems so over-the-top in this book. Yeah, which is why it almost seems problematic to me. Wow, she really has this need. Why does she have this need? Of course, I might be looking for problems that aren't there that nobody's asking me to look for. No, that's the thing, though, is I had the same thought. Like, why? What is she trying to accomplish with this? You know, what what is her motivation here? I mean, she had the wonderful childhood, but she did have a string of shitty boyfriends. Is it a societal pressure? Like the family is so important to the community. Ergo, she feels this pressure. You know, she's a legacy of some kind being tied to all these social things within the community and these good feels and everything so she has to go out and do charity work and has to uphold this image that everybody has crafted for her and she's grown up in i don't know it's something that's not really addressed in the story and i don't don't know if it was ever supposed to be important I think it was a missed opportunity for the author, honestly. Yeah, or if I'm just reading too much into it. (laughs) There's tons of possibilities there, but there's really no reason for her to be this way aside from she's just awesome. Yeah. And and that's what it's touted in, right? She's great. Not, oh my gosh, she's like a neurotic mess trying to make everybody happy and taking on maybe more things than she needs to. I mean, she quickly delegates the one task to her sister. 
She's not stressed out. Yeah. She doesn't get stressed out. Which seems inconsistent with what I'm assuming who she's supposed to be. Plus, she wants to take on more roles, right? Because she wants to take over the family business. She wants to do all the things. Yeah. Why, why does she want to do all the things? Why does she think that she has to do all the things? <laughs> I mean, she clearly relies on her sister, so she understands her own limits, maybe? I've just got questions, but that's normal. She has really good boundaries. Mm-hmm. And she has really good relationships with her family. So she feels comfortable asking for help when she needs it. Mm -hmm. And she has a really good sense of self because she's actively worked toward this since she's moved home. Mm -hmm. she, she places a high value on having a sense of community. And I think that's why she works in the community at the school and she does so many volunteer things. But there's nothing in the text to indicate that any of this is problematic behavior, the excessiveness of it. Yeah. We don't really know why she's like that. She just is. And she has no problems with it. It doesn't bother her. It doesn't bother anyone. No. Except Clark, who he likes it, but doesn't like that he likes it. Yeah. I mean, it might have been, like you said, a missed opportunity where the pressures got to her. I guess she's supposed to have all these great boundaries so it doesn't get to her, but I don't see that as feeling realistic. Because even if you have great boundaries that you've worked hard to establish, boundaries get tested. Yeah, and I mean, it's a fluffy story, so I, I could see it being tested in a light manner, too. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a feel-good. She realizes she took on too much, and Clark... And her sister notice and fix it or something. Yeah. It could be something very simple like that, but it just isn't there. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, Clark shows up at the bar. He's wearing a jacket, so Mary can't see what kind of shirt he's wearing. She's thinking, though, this is unusual. Clark doesn't go out at night. Clark doesn't go to bars. It has to be <laughs> woodsmen. And then they make eye contact. And Clark sees that she's wearing the maroon dress or whatever that she said she would be. And he gets this look on his face and just abruptly nopes out. <laughs> Mary is really hurt by this. Yeah. Here's someone who hasn't approved of her. Oh, no. Except she doesn't think about it that way. No. <laughs> she's like, you didn't have basic human decency. How dare you? Yeah. Social rules. <laughs> obey them. And she writes him one last message as a naughty girl saying, if you aren't into me, that's fine. You could have been nicer about it. Mm -hmm. But don't bother replying. I'm blocking you. And then she does. She blocks him. And she's just like, okay, well, that's done. <laughs> she tells her friend group, the women, that it was Clark. The guys are somehow oblivious. And she makes them all promise not to tell the guys. She doesn't want anyone to know. Just her gals, so they can help support her. Limit the circle of humiliation. Yes. And as she's getting ready to leave for the evening, she runs into her friend Ryan, who's her only nice ex. He wants to help her take her mind off things since she got stood up. He's really super nice to her. And as they're leaving together... Clark is outside waiting to apologize, I guess. Ryan goes to get his car. Mary and Clark have a nice, uncomfortable conversation. Clark is pissy because she didn't take it seriously and had friends with her. 
At least he took the date seriously and treated it like a real date. He has created this whole story, this whole narrative in his head that somehow she knew that Woodsman was him and she was holding court with her friends while waiting for some, quote, poor sap to fall at her feet. And then her friends could all laugh at him. Oh, buddy. Like, what the fuck, dude? Wow. Yeah, that's an involved narrative in your head, buddy. (laughs) Where did that come from? It didn't come from what you just experienced. (laughs) I'm trying to remember what his backstory is. I think he does get teased and stuff in school. I don't even remember. Clearly he's got something. He wasn't popular. Maybe I don't know how that stuff works. But yeah, I mean, there's a difference between not being popular and then being actively targeted. Well, if there was mention of it, it was not memorable. I really was like, really? Like, you got all that from what happened just now. Mountain meet molehill. You're not going to give her any credit for what you know about her as a person now that you've been sort of kind of friends with her. Which she calls him out on. She does. This is the one and only time Mary gets pissed off. Yes. (laughs) Yay. Go her. She has feelings. (laughs) She's like... I was not doing any of that. I am a single woman meeting a man I didn't know. And while I thought it could be you, I wasn't sure. And I had my friends there for safety. I did take it seriously. I was planning to turn it into a date if it ended up going that way. And then she calls him out, like you said, and she says, quote, you intentionally hurt me before I could hurt you. Mm -hmm. Which I think is exactly on the nose. Yep. And then she tells him, from now on, they'll stick to talking about the weather, the farm, and Jace. She gets in Ryan's car and fucks off. Mm-hmm. Clark is left realizing how badly he messed up. <laughs> but there's also this interesting synchronicity here because she's getting into another man's truck instead of being with him. <laughs> <laughs> Which Clark picks up on. <laughs> He's just so ready to think the worst of her. He also goes home. He had intentions to apologize when Mary got home. He even like wrote her a letter and printed it out because he had no way to send it to her because she blocked him. But when he goes over to her house to give her the letter, she sees the truck is still there, even though it's super late at night. And he overhears Mary talking with a man and he's just like, Oh, she's just falling back on her old habit. (laughs) Me, me, me. What the fuck, dude? (laughs) Really? What business is it of yours? What the fuck she's doing right now at all? (laughs) None. And he doesn't like it. No. Sam sees Clark being a creeper outside (laughs) and asks him what happened on the date. Clark gives him the letter he wrote so he can read it. He and Sam talk. Clark has made a ton of assumptions about mystery man. Obviously, Mary picked up some random jock guy and fucked him. I mean, obviously. (laughs) Sam tells Clark he needs to get over himself and make a move if he wants her. And who the fuck cares what she's doing with some other dude right now? (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I understand that you feel jealous, but you can't judge her for that. That's messed up. Yes. Which was rather progressive of sam i liked that yes good job sam (laughs) i didn't expect it of tatted up motorcycle bad boy but you know what i'm happy to be surprised yay 
Finally, the guy that Mary's with leaves. He's getting ready to get in his truck. Then Mary gives him a kiss. Sam is a bro. And he's like, oh, well, I'm going to stop that. And so he like, oh, hey, over there. (laughs) (laughs) And has an awkward conversation with Mary as Ryan drives away. Clark is hiding (laughs) like a creeper. (laughs) After Mary goes back inside, Clark goes over to her house, knocks on the door. She opens it. And he tries to give her this letter and she's like, no, I want you to read it to me. If you're actually sorry, I want to hear it from you, (laughs) which I really loved that about her. Me too. Okay. I am so happy that she got mad at least once in this book. Yes. And I really appreciated how healthy she was with her anger. He reads the letter. She likes what it has to say, but she's worried about believing it completely because He's so closed off about things. He's like, yeah, I was going to give it to you earlier, but you still had someone over. And she realizes he's jealous about Mystery Man. (laughs) (laughs) He asks her if he has anything to be jealous about. And she just kind of lets him stew about it. I really enjoyed that, too. She's a little petty. (laughs) Yes. She's like, I don't know. She didn't explain who he was or anything. I loved it. And he's not entitled to that. So. No, he's not. That's the thing. I'm glad that she did that. And not just for the little digs, but because she appreciated that she's not in charge of making him immediately feel better, which is so different from her for everywhere else that it's kind of like, wait, what? But I'm glad that it existed. I don't know about that because we've not really seen her have a problem with anyone else. Right. That's true, actually. So who knows if she's managing other people's feelings or not? Maybe she's not. The dog guy. No, she doesn't. But I mean, I'm just saying that's someone she's had a problem with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Later on. But she doesn't manage his feelings either. Yeah. She does throw him a bit of a bone. She says she's considering forgiving him. And then she takes his letter and goes back inside. (laughs) (laughs) And Clark is like, ah, man, I'm going to have to grovel some more. Ah. This whole situation has made Clark decide that, yes, he does want Mary and he's going to actively work on getting her to forgive him and potentially try being with him. Mary ended up doing the news interview that she got called about. It went well. She was able to plug her family's farm and now they're getting extra business due to that. She's also had some thoughts about the whole Clark situation. She's decided that He needs to be open with her and let her know somehow that he's all in or else she doesn't want to be with him. She's done being with guys who don't treat her well. She wants to be wanted. She's not okay with the hokey pokey that Clark's doing. No turning herself around. Every year her family takes a family picture and then they also pay for all the employees on the farm to get family photos taken too and they also take like a big picture i think of the employees and everybody and everyone's wearing matchy matchy clothes depending on their family so the winter's family mary's family is all wearing blue some other families wearing green that type of thing clark and jace have been given blue shirts because they're part of the winter's family they've been adopted (laughs) it's Funny. I mean, Mary's parents are like, especially her mom is aggressively friendly too. Yes. Inherited aggressive friendliness. Yeah. I mean, that's where she gets it from, I guess. (laughs) 
It's just a genetic personality trait. Or social. More nurture than nature. But we don't know. I, I'm i assuming it's just genetic. <laughs> okay. I'm not inserting any realism into this part of the story here. I'm just assuming. Okay. No, she's just naturally wonderful and perfect in every way. She smells like sugar cookies. She's Mary Poppins. I was going to make that joke too, <gasps> and I decided not to. Oh. And yet you did it for me. Yay? <laughs> Practically perfect, perfect in every in way. Every way. <laughs> Clark is touched, but also feels weird about being included as part of the family being in a picture with them, wearing the matchy-matchy shirts. Jace loves it. He kind of just accepts it, too. He doesn't have any of the worries that Clark has. Holly pulls Clark aside and gives him a talking to about what had happened during the (laughs) the infamous date. (laughs) She wants to know Clark's intentions. She gives him the third degree. Clark is like, no, I totally want to be with her. I'm all in and I want to treat her well and blah, blah. He says the right stuff and Holly's like, oh, okay, good. But if you hurt her, I will kill you. (laughs) And no one will ever find the body. (laughs) It'll be on the farm somewhere. No, not there. Jeez. Tree food. Maybe it's very, very deep tree food. (laughs) Well, she doesn't have to bury him whole. She could grind him up or something. There'd have to be steps. Yeah. It would be an involved plan. Yes. You'd have to account for the mess. Clark asks Mary out on a date. Mary says, oh, I'll think about it. But she sees that he looks kind of rejected and she doesn't intend to reject him. So she explains, well, it's busy right now with Thanksgiving coming up. When they're getting their photos taken together, Mary accepts the date and tells him actually she does have time he smiles and he has a genuine smile for the photo over the next few days they're texting and chatting on the phone every day they talk late into the night after jace goes to bed and things even got a little steamy last night Mm. that friday mary is working at the school and she gets a call from her mom asking if she could take jace home Usually Victoria picks him up. Mary agrees she can take him home. When Jace gets to her office, he's got a fever. She's kind of freaking out a little because she doesn't have kids. She doesn't know how to parent. She's a little worried. She wants to make sure she does a good job. I mean, she works in an industry. uh, She would know something. She does the things that she would do for other kids at the school, though. I mean, she takes his temperature. She checks his record, gives him medicine that he's allowed to have. But now she's like, now what? (laughs) That's where she gets the worry. She's trying to get a hold of Clark or her mom, but she can't. She drives him home. As she's carrying Jace into his house to get him tucked into bed and everything, he pukes on her. Yep. (laughs) Good time for that. All down her back. Nice. Good aim. She, in a heroic move, (laughs) ignores this, gets him cleaned up and settled in bed. And then she's like, okay, well, I bet considering the circumstances, Clark wouldn't mind me taking a shower. (laughs) She steals some sweats from him and gets undressed to take a shower when she hears Clark come home. So she wraps a towel around herself and runs out. 
She updates him on what happened. Clark is super grateful and I think surprised too that she cares that much. He is overcome and he gives her a big hug and they have their first kiss and it's amazing. And Clark <laughs> is like ready to progress. And then he's like, what's that smell though? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I loved that. Me too. I loved that. <laughs> She's like, yeah, Jace puked on me. <laughs> I have been marked. That's why I'm basically naked right now. <laughs> Oh, they laugh about it. He kind of teases her about it. And then she goes to take a shower. Later, she goes with him when they take Jace to the doctor to get meds. And when Jace gets tucked back into bed, Jace tells Mary that he loves her. And she's like, I love you too. And Clark overhears it. And he's all, oh. <laughs> Clark is like, well, do you want to stay over for a while? We could watch a movie or something. Mary agrees. She gets a phone call from Ryan to check up on her. Clark finally learns who Mystery Guy was, and there was no reason to be jealous whatsoever. <laughs> and I like that he found out kind of organically. Yes. Rather than Mary assuring him or something. That morning, Mary is walking her new puppy, who she named Daisy, and she finds Clark chopping wood. And she's very into this. She's been feeling a little worried because he kissed her when she left that evening after the movie but it was just like a really chill kiss it wasn't passionate like that first kiss she's kind of worried about this she's like i want passion <laughs> she's good because she lets him know mm -hmm. she does not want to move at a glacial pace when i agreed to take things slow i did not <laughs> mean that not that slow and they make out in his woodworking shed and he goes down on her Things seem to be progressing. Clark has decided after the whole thing with Jace and how Mary was with that and the kiss and just all the stuff. He's decided, you know what? I'm going to let my guard down. And he tells Mary that he is actually ready to tell Jace about dating her. Originally, he'd been like, oh, I kind of want to keep it on the DL for a while just in case. So that's kind of cool. Oh, he's ready. <laughs> Later, Mary has a heart-to-heart -heart with her mom, kind of about all sorts of things. Clark, Jace, life dreams, goals, motherhood, all the stuffs. It's a nice conversation. Her mom gives her some advice in a validating way, like, I know you will do what is best. Holly comes in and tells Mary that the voodoo peen went viral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They explain to Victoria what the voodoo peen is, and instead of being weirded out or even laughing, really, Victoria is like, oh, well, you could charge for this. <laughs> Holly and Victoria start developing a business plan for Mary to start selling voodoo penises and other crafts online. Look, you can make money doing this. Mm -hmm. At this point, Mary has, I think... A tub full of voodoo peens <laughs> of all different types. Now it is date night 2.0. Clark has had the conversation with Jace about dating Mary. Mary's parents also know they're going on a date. Everyone's totally fine about it. No one's worried about Clark's job whatsoever. They all reassure him that this is all compartmentalized and is not an issue. Jace is really happy because he really likes Mary. 
Clark and Mary go out to dinner and dancing at the lodge. Mary gets kind of tipsy. She gives him roadhead on the way home, which I thought was really odd. It didn't seem like something that Clark would accept. Yeah. Because it's a safety thing. And what about Jace, though? You can't leave him fatherless while you're driving and getting a blowjob <laughs> at the same time. It's dangerous. You know, you'd think he'd at least pull over, but he doesn't. He drives home. Hmm? It's not a problem whatsoever. Nothing bad happens. And when they get back to Mary's house, she invites him inside and they have the sex and it's wonderful. And then Clark ends up staying the night. Now it's Thanksgiving. Clark and Jace are spending it with the Winters family. Chris, Mary's dad, tells her he wants to start showing her the business side of things. And so she's going to have to get up early the next day. Got to get ready for the Christmas season. Then Victoria gathers everyone around and they all take turns saying what they're grateful for. Jace has a really cute, grateful speech. It makes everyone kind of choke up and aww. Clark gives Chris and Victoria these gorgeous handmade wooden rocking chairs. He had made them for Christmas, but couldn't wait and had to give them early. And Mary at this point realizes she's in love with Clark. Oh, the feels. Mm-hmm. Now it's the day after Thanksgiving. Mary's had an early morning with her dad, learning stuff about the business. Her head is all full of, oh, wow, things are going the way I want. When Mr. Olson, the asshole who previously owned Daisy, shows up, he is drunk and he is pissed off and he drives up in a truck and starts yelling. Chris goes to try to de-escalate it, but Olson is having none of it. Mary tries to get Olsen's keys to prevent him continuing to drive drunk. Olsen is mad. He's ranting. He says that he got in trouble with the sheriff. They took all his animals except one, which he's brought here. Here, take them too. <laughs> and it's his chickens. And he opens up this metal cage in the back of his truck. Mary at first is worried it's an angry dog, but it's just chickens while this is happening, Mary manages to snag Olsen's keys. Victoria comes out to see what's going on. She's like, oh, you gave us chickens? Thanks. I've been wanting chickens. <laughs> Just what I didn't ask for. Mary's parents leave to handle the chickens and call the police. And Mary waits to babysit the drunk asshole. While she's waiting, Olsen has kind of nodded off. And who shows up but Patrice, Jace's mom. Good timing. She's looking for Clark. Clark is busy working because it is the day after Thanksgiving and Mary tells her that. So Patrice leaves her number with Mary. Mary feels kind of sick to her stomach about this whole thing. She does not want to give Clark Patrice's number. She's not really worried that Clark would take Patrice back, but she's worried about the drama it could potentially cause Clark and the feelings it might dredge up. Yeah, which is fair. The cops show up and take Olsen away. And then Mary goes over to find Sam and tries to give Patrice's info to Sam instead. Clark's busy. I don't want to bother him at work. And Sam's like, yeah, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> He's like, if I take it, I'll burn it. So, no. I cannot be entrusted <laughs> with this. <laughs> so Mary goes to find Clark and she gives Clark the card with Patrice's info on it. And he rips it in two and throws it on the ground. And he's like, I don't have anything to say to her. <laughs> and then he just abruptly leaves to continue working i guess supposedly 
And Mary grabs the pieces of the card and puts them back in her pocket. <laughs> a little while later, she finds Clark. He's sitting down. He's kind of freaking out about the whole Patrice situation. She says, well, if you decide to talk to her, things can't really get any worse, right? She doesn't have any legal claim to Jace. Maybe Patrice will surprise you. Maybe something good will happen. I don't know. Yeah. Clark kind of stews about this for three days before he finally calls Patrice. She won't tell him what's going on over the phone, so he makes plans to meet up at the bar. When they meet up, she gives him a letter for Jace, and then she says, I need your help. On the back of the letter, there's an amount of money that she needs to get a fresh start. She's in a lot of trouble, and you need to help me, because if Jace found out that you didn't help me and I died... That would suck for you. She's kind of really... Emotionally manipulative a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's a good term for it. To be fair, she needs help. I mean... Yeah. She shows him bruises on her neck and is telling him about her two-year-old daughter. She got in some trouble with some people and needs to run away somewhere far and have a fresh start and all that. Which really stings because it's like she had another kid. It's really yeah. very much like she didn't want to be a mother, but she very much did not want to be the mother of a son. Right. Clark doesn't want to help her, but he wants to be the kind of person he's raising his son to be. Mm -hmm. Even though this is a lot of money for him, he agrees to help her and he'll meet up with her Friday and give her money. So Patrice leaves. Is that the point that Patrice tells Clark? That she didn't want a son specifically? Yeah. Or does that happen when he talks to her again? No, I think that happens then. She does not say why, but she does say, like, I did not want to raise a son. There's some point where Patrice reveals that she had a stepdad who, quote, liked her too much. Yeah. And that was why she didn't want a son? Which she had said before. I think that was one of the things that... She says when... When she's pregnant. Yeah. She said that before. She tells Clark before, but it doesn't penetrate. He doesn't get it. He doesn't either pursue why that is, or she doesn't reveal it or something. But it's mentioned. It's hinted at. But it's not explained until now-ish. When they were together, they didn't really have a emotional connection either. It was very much... He was besotted with her because she was hot. Yeah. And then he was wanting a family when she got pregnant. Yeah. He wanted a family. He didn't want her. He's the guy with the ring and he's just, I just need any finger, any female finger. <laughs> it's like, uh, ugh. Patrice kind of took advantage of that. Yeah. Well, she had her own things. Yeah. Yeah. But then she bailed when she couldn't handle having a son. Do you think this would have been an interesting moment to have Clark reevaluate how he thinks of Mary and possibly like work in where that people pleasing like take on too much thing? After Patrice leaves, he does kind of evaluate Mary a little differently, though. He realizes he's in love with her. Mm -hmm. He realizes she's everything he ever wanted. I think when he's confronted with the example of Patrice, he remembers why he was avoiding relationships and realizes that he doesn't need to with Mary. Mm -hmm. I think for this particular story, the way Clark is written, 
giving him a reason to find something, quote, wrong with Mary probably wouldn't be good. That's fair. I think, though, they in the M and Erica cut, <laughs> where Mary has some sort of reason she has this people-pleasing mentality and has some sort of issue happen with it. Uh-huh. That would have been a good point for him to think about that. But I think the way it's written, no, absolutely not. I think that would have turned him off of Mary and he would have noped out and left town. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) This is by far not the only story that does this, where it's like a certain character is put on a pedestal and it's like the other person doesn't quite ever get to the realization that, no, no, they're human. (laughs) Yeah, but see, the thing is, is he doesn't up until this point put her on a pedestal really i think he yeah yeah i think this whole time he's been like detached and he's looking for something to dislike about her looking for something to be wrong with her yeah and at this point he realizes that at least for him she's perfect always flawless makeup Mm -hmm. he wakes up and her face is already on and it's perfect (laughs) Mm -hmm. no morning breath as clark gets ready to leave nick sees him and invites him over to have some drinks with his friends. Clark ends up getting drunk, which is very unlike him. After midnight, Mary gets a call from Nick asking for a ride home for both him and Clark. Mary's kind of worried about what happened with Patrice because it's not really like Clark to drink a lot, and she's worried he's coping for something. After she drops Nick off at home, Clark drunkenly tells Mary he loves her, She's like, I wish you had told me this when you weren't drunk. And he's like, no, I'm just tipsy, like how you were. (laughs) That makes it fine. Yeah, I guess. They kiss. She says she loves him too. He asks her to go with him to drop off the money for Patrice. He told her what happened. The next day, Clark picks Jace up early from school and gives Mary an invitation to a surprise outing that evening. And then he and Jace go to get donuts. While they're there, they run into Patrice and her daughter. It's very awkward. Clark introduces Patrice to Jace as Miss Nielsen and says he met her when he helped her tow her car out of a ditch last night. (laughs) Jace accepts this because he has no reason to believe his dad would lie to him and is super sweet and precocious. And you can kind of tell Patrice is... Very emotional about the whole situation, but she lets Clark lead how he wants to handle it. And then she and her daughter leave. Clark and Jace go to buy flowers for Mary. Jace also wants to spend his money on a present for Mary. He earns money with his swear jar. (laughs) Every time an adult swears, there's like a monetary attachment to each word different ones i guess level of severity yeah i don't know throughout the story he charges people for words <laughs> and so he's been collecting money he wants to use that money to buy mary a present which, which is really cute it's really funny if you think about it i would imagine especially if there's something he really wants he's gonna really pay attention to what the adults around him are saying <laughs> way more than maybe otherwise It's really funny, too, because there's a point in the story where Clark, I think he tells Sam that Jace knows all the swears and he'll charge you for them. (laughs) So he's kind of made Jace the swear police. Yes. After Mary gets off work, they pick her up and take her ice skating. 
they have a lovely time ice skating. Mary has a minute alone with Jace. Jace gives her his blessing, basically, to marry his dad. Now it's time for Clark to go give Patrice the money she asked for. Yay! He and Mary meet her at, I think, her hotel room. Clark goes to talk to Patrice. And Mary goes to talk to the daughter and makes friends with her. Because everyone loves Mary. (laughs) Even this incredibly shy child who doesn't like people. Because there's just something about her. Clark, along with the money gives her pictures of Jace, thinking, well, you know, maybe she would want them. After that meeting in the donut shop. Yes. Patrice, I think, feels guilty. Well, now I can't take your money. (laughs) Because maybe Jace needs it. Clark insists. Patrice says, well, I'll only take what I need. Clark tells her, oh, well, I made you a budget. Here's some investment ideas for once you're on your feet. Okay, Clark, thanks. Wow. (laughs) Patrice is grateful. (laughs) Clark and Mary leave. They go to deposit the rest of the money at the bank. Mary has to get ready to be Mrs. Claus on her family's float for the parade later. And as she's getting ready, Victoria voluntells Clark that he has to be Santa. (laughs) They're on the family float together. They're dressed up. It's wonderful and amazing. The next morning is the Festival of Trees. There's some disgruntled people i guess worried about where their stalls are located or something mary manages all this like a boss nothing bothers her clark finds her later and surprises her with a tree he handmade all these ornaments that chronicle their time together and decorated the tree with them oh and then he tells her he wants forever with her it's kind of a proposal but not really yeah <laughs> And then Jace gives her the necklace he bought for her that has all their birthstones on it. Aww. And that's the end. How was the audiobook? It was good. It was narrated by C.J. Bloom and Lee Samuels. And I think it was well narrated. The performances were balanced. I really liked C.J. Bloom's performance. I think she did a good job. Was she a wholesome Mary? No, not, not quite as wholesome as I think if I had read it. I would have read her as. She was kind of sickly sweet in my head. She didn't come across <laughs> that way in the audio version. Good. That's that's good. So, yay. Are you happy for their happy M? Yes, I'm happy for them. It was a feel-good seasonal story. Yay. You're actually happy for them? <laughs> it happens. There's no excuses? <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> Doesn't seem to me. I am surprised. Yay! I live to surprise you. Well, I don't, but it is nice when it happens. Yeah. What about you? Are you happy for their happy? I am, but I wasn't really invested either. Like, I just didn't care. Okay. It was fine. You know, we talk about, oh, will those two crazy kids make it? I think they will. I believe it. I think they'll be happy together. I just don't care. No, that's fair. That's usually the position I'm in. (laughs) I think they'll make it. It's fine. I know. We've reversed. (laughs) In my head, like, I imagine Patrice is going to play some sort of role in the future, but it'll be okay. The groundwork has been laid. There's no big, big, scary thing that's going to come out and be an issue. No, all the the problems were resolved. All the obstacles to their happy. 
I think there's potential for Clark to fall back into second guessing Mary's intentions, but mm. mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, he's working on it. He's aware of it now. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, okay, yay, good for them. <laughs> Let's rate them. Okay. How do you rate Mary? Uh, I rated Mary as awesome, but with a caveat, which is the whole like people pleasing <laughs> thing, which is one of those things like even during the story as I was listening to it, kind of was aware of it, but not until like rating her that I really gave it some thought. Yeah, she's amazing. And we often will have male characters that are just amazing. And I mean, I feel like we give them a certain degree of shit for it. But I'm trying to reconcile that in my head. I guess maybe that's the thing is like, why is she getting penalized for being great and amazing? I don't know if she should necessarily be penalized for it. But I do agree with you that that was a missed opportunity in the story to explore. Maybe you're right that if Clark had sensed that she was less than perfect, he would have bolted. Because the world is less than perfect, and oh no. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I kind of struggle with rating her, honestly, because I'm not really invested in her character at all. Gotcha. She's awesome, but I don't really care. Yeah. I guess. That's fair. There are things the author did that I really appreciated, like when she got mad at Clark, how she handled it. That was very awesome. The setup at the beginning of the story, how she wanted to work on herself and obviously did. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. The relationships she has with her family and her friends and everything. That's awesome. The craftiness is awesome. The way she handles that issue with the vendors at the Festival of Trees where she's like, yeah, no, I'm going to kick you out if you cause problems. Yeah. That was awesome. I was like, hell yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah. The, The fact that she decides that even though she really likes Clark, she doesn't want him unless he wants her 100%. That was awesome. Agreed. I mean, there's tons of awesome things about her. I just don't really care. I'm not invested. So fair enough. I don't know if that was a flaw with the writing. I don't know. Maybe it's just not for me. Because we we mentioned before how this is definitely a feel good story. I think maybe too like for me because it was this seasonal steeped in christmas sort of thing i was a little more generous than normal because usually it's me it's like i feel nothing how did you rate clark i listed clark in the sort of the same like awesome but with a caveat okay definitely a mopey boy but good egg he's got some world view issues that i am i'm interested in (laughs) That I, like, <laughs> you know, like, dude, the world is not perfect. Why why do you feel like you need to control the world? You don't get an Alexa so your kid can't learn things that you don't want him to learn? So, yeah, awesome, but I, 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 I have questions. What about you? I also kind of struggled with reading Clark. <laughs> <laughs> you called him a mopey boy. I totally agree. I thought initially... That maybe the author was going for a sunshine grumpy trope. Yeah. Mary is very obviously sunshine. Clark is not a grumpy pants. No. He is a mopey pants. And that is not hot to me. I rate him awesome, I guess. But I'm not really invested in it either. He grows a lot in the story. He, I think allows his worldview to be challenged. 
Yes. He handled his jealousy well, mostly, which I thought was nice. Yes, I, I agree with that. And he starts to accept the wholesomeness of the Winters family. Which clearly he craves. He wants to live there. He just doesn't believe that it's true. Well, he doesn't believe he belongs, oh, I think. that's true. He's worried about being rejected. And I think he's starting to realize that, no, they actually like him. <laughs> there was a little bit of awkwardness with how singular his issues seem to be. They seem to definitely stem from the childhood neglect. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't get addressed very much in that we don't learn a whole lot about it. Yeah. It has obviously affected him his whole life and he's made all sorts of choices and changes. Personality traits have arisen due to it. But it all seems to go back to that, like all his issues. And I mean, Patrice abandoned him and I think all that did was prove him right. Yeah. And I just... I would have liked a moment where he realizes that maybe he is looking at things in a way that is overly negative. Yeah. He he makes changes that align with that, but he doesn't, there's not a point where he's introspective about it, really. No, not really. That's why I have some concerns about him maybe doubting Mary's intentions later about something else. That makes sense. We didn't really get to see it enough, I guess. Do you think that possibly ties in with the whole, well, she's perfect. Oh, wait, perfection isn't real because humans. <laughs> Maybe. It definitely bothered me. Her, her perfection bothered me. Yeah. But I think that I kind of just let that go more than you did. So I didn't really consider that too much when I was reading. Okay. I think it's more like his own personal growth journey that I'm concerned about. Gotcha. Because it really doesn't matter what Mary does or doesn't do. It's about him. Like yes. The story he's telling himself about that behavior. Yes, yes. Instead of just talking to her and believing her and trusting her. Giving her the credit and the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> okay, what about, what about the antagonists and villains? So my list includes Clark's mom and dad, who were effective in that they really seemed to influence the adult he turned out to be. Absolutely. Then Patrice, also effective. And I like that she was given more depth. Me too. I went back and forth on the like, oh, she shows up at the end. I was sort of anticipating it, but also expecting it not to happen because so many stories don't they'll hint at something and then not have it get addressed so i'm glad that she showed up i was glad actually how it happened in the story especially since it's not like she's never mentioned and then all of a sudden comes in at the end <laughs> this this will be a weird comparison but the patrice thing as well as the voodoo peen thing i like the showing of the planning of the story Oh, yeah, the crafting of the story. Exactly. Nothing was there just to be there, which I very much appreciated. I like that she was given that depth and she points out to him like, no, no, we really didn't know each other. We really shouldn't have gotten married and done the thing and, and everything that would not have gone well. This maybe didn't happen the way you wanted. And yes, there were hardships involved, but 
the other road wouldn't necessarily have led you to somewhere good. Or Jace somewhere good. Because the household that that would have been, potentially. Yeah. I really liked that she didn't show up as part of a jealousy thing. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. It caused zero issues for Mary and Clark's relationship. And I loved that. I thought that was really good. Me too. Because when she showed up, I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Because I was expecting the jealousy thing, because that happens a lot. Even if it's valid. But yeah, no, no. I thought that was really well done. I agree with the parents and Patrice. Do you have anyone else to add? Yes. Um, I didn't put his name, partly because I didn't remember it. I labeled him the asshole dog kicker who deserves all the fictitious circles of hell. Yes. He was effective. He came back into the story, which was good. I do like it when they resurrect the villains (laughs) for the final (laughs) scare, so to speak. But yes. What about you? I also put Clark's parents and I also put Patrice. I basically agree with everything you said about that. So I rate both of them effective or all three of them, I guess. I also put Mr. Olson, the asshole dog (laughs) kicker. Or almost kicker. Yes. Yeah. I'm assuming he probably did kick the dog at some point. Yeah. You know what? I feel like the punishment should just be that he loses a foot. He can get by with one foot. People do it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how... He's effective, but I have issues with him. Because there's really no impact made. Hmm. Except that Mary now has a cool dog. Gotcha. It never comes back to bite her that she basically stole his dog. Yeah. She doesn't have to testify in court. She doesn't have to pay him. Yeah. I know it's a dog. It's a living creature and it deserves kindness and love and all that. I get it. But legally, the dog is property. Yeah. And there are no repercussions for her stealing his property. Yeah. And the cops even kind of make a joke out of it. Like they don't, I don't know, they don't take it seriously, really. They take Olsen seriously, like his abuse of animals, and he ends up getting punished for that. But they don't really take the theft seriously. I don't know. I don't really mind that he didn't really have a character arc. I kind of wondered, since Patrice had experienced some contrition, why Olsen didn't also. Yeah. Maybe he's drunk and he's upset. And we learn that his wife died. And ever since, he has been an asshole. I don't know. Like some reason for him to be an asshole. But I guess he's just an asshole. And that's okay. We don't need to know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For him to be effective. No. I think the reason I don't rate him effective is more due to the fact that there's really no impact on Mary. I I see that. I agree with that. I, I liked that he showed back up. I wasn't expecting that, honestly. But that whole situation was very easy. She steals the dog and then... People step in and she doesn't have to deal with him. And then she gets accosted at home and he gives them chickens <laughs> angrily. Angry chickens. And and her parents are happy about, well, her mom anyway. Her dad didn't really want chickens. And her mom is happy about it. And it's not a problem. Like, I just, okay. Well, I could see in that moment being. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Not treating it for the problem that it is, just to... The the author makes sure to let us know, though, that the mom has actually been wanting chickens for a while. Oh. 
Yeah, that's true. So we know, like, we know that now actually she wants chickens and we'll be happy to have them. <laughs> Christmas wish come true. Yeah. Basically, yeah. It was on her Amazon wish list and she just hadn't gotten around to purchasing them yet. Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no no consequences for the heroine. No. And I mean there was no reason for him to show up again, I guess, except for us to see the fallout. Well, the mom needed chickens. Of what happened earlier. Yeah, that too. So whatever. Originally I thought maybe Sam would be an antagonist when he first showed up, but he ended up being fine. Yeah, I kind of thought so too. I was like, oh, okay. This is not not as much of a thing as I thought it was going to be. All right. And then I kind of put Clark's issues, which I mean, are kind of from his parents. But there's a point where you have to take responsibility for your own shit. That was pretty damn effective because that was the main obstacle in the story, I think. How did you rate the book? I enjoyed the book. I gave it a four. I gave it a two. Oh, yay. Not a one. So it's a light, fluffy holiday read yes i went into reading it expecting that i got that so it wasn't really like a case of expecting more than i received i just didn't care you weren't invested so it didn't grab you didn't connect to the heroine didn't really connect to the hero just didn't care and there were some parts that were very funny i definitely laughed at some parts but i just i don't know and I can't even explain why. And now I understand. <laughs> Every Aww. time I ask you to explain and you're like, I don't know. I just don't. And I'm like, but why though? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of where I'm at right now. Yay, illumination. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying I won't give you shit for it next oh, time. Fine. But <laughs> I, I, could take I it. get it right now. <laughs> I, I'm... Glad you get it, but sorry you get it. <laughs> yeah. The struggle is real. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was badly written. No. I thought it was a cute story. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> I think I already know the answer to this. Did you feel romanced? In a very tepid sort of way, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I feel bad to say no, but... How many times have I said no? I mean, it's what you feel. Yeah, I don't know. I just... You go with your feels, and sometimes the feels are no. Or absent, or whatever. I feel eh. Okay. I, I feel like I'm channeling you. <laughs> we have been very flip-flopped on this. I'm just like, I'm not invested. I don't care. I guess they're happy. They seem like it. Whatever. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> hello my name is em <laughs> well did you feel romanced i was charmed and i was romanced my goodness <laughs> i was waiting for the response <laughs> oh we've done a complete flip we really have <laughs> personality transplant <laughs> it's freaky friday not christmas yeah yeah i knew it was gonna be a a feel-good Christmas story. I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. That was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Me too. <laughs> I, I do like to enjoy stories. I know it sounds like I don't, but I do like to enjoy them. <laughs> Enjoyment doesn't always happen or I have to 
find ways to find enjoyment, but yes, it does happen. It is the goal. <laughs> I got to surprise you. Honestly, I didn't know what to think <laughs> about whether or not you would like this story. Because so often we'll read a story and I'll be like, oh, I'm sure she'll like this one <laughs> because it ticks all these boxes. And you'll find something wrong with it that just, or not wrong with it, but like you just don't connect in a certain way or whatever. And I'll be like, oh, I thought she'd like that one. And then there's this one where I'm like, I don't know. I really am not connecting at all and I'm not enjoying myself, but I don't know. That makes me think that she'll hate it. Because <laughs> <laughs> so often I'll like it better than you. Yeah. I mean, that's true. <laughs> that's funny. So what else have you been reading, Em? I haven't finished it yet. And it's Nick and Noel's Christmas Playlist by Cody Hall. So it's the prequel book. And I intend to read, after I'm done with this one, Along Came Holly, which is the third book in the series. Oh, you actually enjoyed it. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like I told the truth or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you want more wow okay how weird of me so anyway <laughs> nick and noelle's book so nick returns home after serving overseas to a disinterested girlfriend his bestie and fellow veteran noelle wants to turn his frown upside down and of course the specter of the ex will they or won't they scare away nick and noelle's happiness we don't know chances are not because romance but you know will they or won't they anyway <laughs> and then along came holly they're sort of hinted at in the first book which is holly shop owner and sister of nick and mary youngest sister i think and declan who is i guess i mean he's he's labeled as a grinch so grumpy pants i'm assuming I hope so. I don't know much because I haven't read the book flap <laughs> thing. The blurb. That's what I got. What about you? What have you been reading? I recently finished The Security Guy by V.C. Lancaster. So Anna has been sent to this immigration department in the U.S. to help with their image. She gets drunk at the office holiday party. And wakes up in bed with a stranger. As you do. Who happens to be a very handsome guy. Well, that's nice. And he ends up being her fake boyfriend when she goes home for the holidays to see her brother and his family. Okay. But mm -hmm. the agency is actually for immigrants who are aliens from another planet who are coming to the U.S. as refugees. And the hot guy she wakes up with is an alien. And the reason he won't leave her alone is because in his culture, after you have sex with a woman, you guard her until you learn whether or not she's pregnant. And then if she's pregnant, she gets to decide whether or not to accept you or something. Okay. And she can't make anyone make him leave her alone because... They're trying to respect his cultural differences. This is the third in the Office Aliens series. It is so good. This author has been turning tropes on their heads. It's so fun because 
they have combined the everyday office type romance with aliens. <laughs> it pushes my buttons because it has the um, learning about alien cultures sort of trope. And it's been a big part of this series. And there's multiple types of aliens that have immigrated. And it's not the same type in each book. So we get different cultural norms, different things going on with the different aliens. So that's kind of fun. Oh, yay. It's a sci-fi romance, but it's also a Christmas story with a <laughs> fake boyfriend trope. Woo-woo. And I liked that. Layers are good. <laughs> That's it for this time. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com, for our show notes, other episodes, and upcoming reads. Don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify. And surprisingly, Twitter's still a thing. <laughs> and you can find us there at Romance Be Cast. So, speaking of Twitter and its continued thingness, were you romanced by Marion Clark's story? Let us know what you think. And of course, join us next time when we discuss Ticking Time Boss by Olivia Hale. Bye! So, favorite Christmas song, go! <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to, it's just exit pattern. But <laughs> that's what I have in my exit pattern notes. I'm not really religious, but I always am kind of partial to O Holy Night. That's a nice one. But it has to be sung by the right person. That's fair. My favorite version of O Holy Night is the one on the Tuesday's Christmas album, sung by Ricky Lee Jones, Susie Katayama, and the Tuesday about you. My favorite is Baby It's Cold Outside by Ray <laughs> Charles. Ray Charles and Betty Carter. Yes, yeah, so it has to be a specific version, right? 